Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode one of the Chumps to Champs Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Danny Lutz. I'm one of your co-hosts. I'm here with Matt Frederick. How are you, Matt? How's it going, Chumps? I'm also here. I like what you did there. Uh, how are you, Scott Trosky? I'm good. How's it going out there, Champs? Oh, gross. <laughs> We're also here on with Anthony Trevaskis, our executive producer, our showrunner. He keeps the lights on. What's How up, guys? You, I'm good, man. No sports right now. We're in a we're in a weird time. May 2020 is not really the time for sports, but I guess that's why you need this podcast. Am I right? That's why we need this podcast. Get a little sports so talk many- on reruns of the blues playoffs and everything like that right i've done that oh yeah multiple times <laughs> i've done that and skate thus far figures the the biggest would be unaffected yeah you got we're in may right now we're recording in may uh, from our own basement so we're doing this virtual which may be how the nfl functions this june and july but july is when training camp starts and august is when we got games and man are these preseason games going to be something if it's the only show in town yeah, this might be the, <laughs> the most exciting preseason of the NFL in years. I'm but, going uh, to care so much. I'm going to care so much, especially <laughs> if it's on, like, gambling side. Anyway. What do you think, Danny? you think there's going to be any fans in the stands? I just, I want there to be. I would, if you want to go, that's great. But I just, I don't see how it's going to happen. Yeah, I think the, the, the biggest thing that this COVID-19 is going to impact is, uh, fantasy-wise, is just having players available if one player catches COVID-19 how long is he going to be out is it going to be a month is it going to be two months how conservative are they going to be you got to assume by then they'll have better testing but yeah even if they do if someone gets it there's got to be some strict protocols in place for everybody unless you're you, Tom Brady right do you think <laughs> do you think that they would ignore a Tom Brady positive tests just for the the publicity of what that would be week one man they love publicity and they run a game uh but yeah so we're we're gonna cover some news we're gonna cover some notes from around the league pretty much at the start of every podcast right now i mean what is there to cover i mean we're gonna cover the free agent moves and trades there are a lot of those it seems like this offseason there were a lot of those we're going to go over the draft that happened virtually that was a wild success. And we're going to play some games at the end and prep you for next week. But let's talk about something fun, right? Really the only news that you can really find, these uniforms, these new uniforms. <laughs> what do you like? What do you dislike? Yeah, I think the first one that really caught my eye was the Chargers new uniforms. I've always been a big fan of their old baby blues or I guess the powder blues, but I really like the new Royal one they rolled out with. It looks sharp. I think it's going to look great. Yeah, I agree. I think the Chargers is the best. I do like the uh, the Falcons helmet, but uh, that was our alma mater at high school, the same logo. So, again, we might be a little biased on that one, but I do think it actually looks pretty cool. Yeah, but that ATL on the front, I mean, if it was just like one-third of the size that it is right now, it would look fine. It would look normal. Like every other year team that puts their like team name or city or anything right there it's about a third of that size ATL is large and in charge man (laughs) (laughs) now speaking to mr brown over there anthony browns fan i had to look up what the change for the cleveland browns was but everyone's like oh my god it's so much better 
Why? No, it's it it's not drastic. It's really not. It's it's a nice, comfortable change. Um, <laughs> it's you know they they said it's going to be this like big throwback thing. Like I don't know. I it, it's fine. I, I'm way more concerned about what they do on the field. But it's a, it's a good look. It's a it's a decent look for them. I mean, when your team's called the Browns, how exciting <laughs> can you make those jerseys? <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Yeah, they got a couple of other ones. Um, the Buccaneers, they're going back to their Super Bowl days with that look. Bring yeah, I like the luck, hopefully. I like the pewter jerseys. They look sharp. Just the block lettering looks lettering. Numbers look a thousand times better than the garbage. I couldn't read them. I mean, they're numbers, so it shouldn't be that hard to read. But those numbers looked awful last year. Speaking Calculator. of garbage, we can go on to the Rams' new uniforms. <laughs> oh man, are we all in consensus here? Yeah, uh, absolutely. They they tried to they tried to make them look too much just LA focused. They they looked really good before that, this color scheme and everything. But they were just so worried about getting rid of the old logo with the Rams head, and making sure it said LA everywhere that they just made it so plain and boring. And I just I hate it. Yeah, and they have such. Great, like classical uniforms that they could have gone back to, especially if they're back in LA now. Let's go back to those old uniforms, just make it classic. But they had to change everything up and they even messed with the horns on the helmet. Those helmets were like iconic in all of sports. And the colors have changed over the years, but the break in the horn is odd. Rams don't have breaks in their horns, like real ones. When you see out in the wild, it's just, it was an, uh, like you said, it was unnecessary to do, but as long as everything screams not St. Louis, I think Stan Kroenke's going to think it's just the best. But if Eric Dickerson comes out and says, these are terrible, they even said, these suck. I mean, and he's the, he's Mr. Ram. Then what do you, God, they, they can't do anything right recently, but that's fine with me. Yeah, I think at, at this point, people are going to probably tell we're based in St. Louis with our, dis- <laughs> <laughs> like for the Rams. Yeah. Other than new uniforms, really the other news that we aren't going to get to in the near future, that schedule got released. And the schedule, the NFL schedule getting released is interesting. From a fantasy perspective, yes and no. But it just, we already know the teams that they're going to play, but it's still for some reason so exciting. Just to see. I'm like, I'm not going to pay attention. And then as soon as it comes out, I'm like, why am I not looking at this right now? <laughs> yeah, I was pretty happy to see the Titans start off with uh, Monday Night Football. I'm a Titans fan, and being in St. Louis, you don't get to catch all their games unless, you're, unless they're nationally te- televised. So, Yeah, I'm kind of a Jaguars fan, and at this point, it doesn't really matter who they play, the way that team's going, so I, I don't <laughs> look at the schedule. It's just, it doesn't do anything. You don't, you don't believe in Gardner? The gardener. I enjoy his antics, but no, not that. No, <laughs> that Tash is just he is rocking the Tash. One for the record books. But there were a there were a couple things that I know a couple of things not not many because it's hard to really judge. But how about Week One Tampa Bay at New Orleans? How much fun is that going to be with Tommy Beanbags versus Drew Brees in the Superdome? That's going to be amazing. I've- Two elite quarterbacks. I've always been a pretty big fan of Breeze, and I've always disliked Brady heavily. So um, just getting to watch them duke it out. I mean, in both in their twilight years, I guess you could say. Because <laughs> he's so. a cheetah. Is the, is the nationwide hate that everyone had for Brady because he was on the Patriots, is that going to follow him to Tampa Bay, do you think? I think yeah. it dwindles. I, think, I honestly do. I think it dwindles, to be honest with you. I think 
we hated the Patriots as a whole and maybe still do. I don't know. But I feel like Tom Brady was like a huge part of that. But with him gone, I don't know. I don't hate Tom Brady. We'll see. I mean, yeah. But I mean, is this Bill Belichick? It does help that he's not wearing the Patriot on his helmet. But it would just be so much better if the Patriots would just lose one. Not even lose. Just go (laughs) 500 just once. You can win. That's fine. But can you just not make the playoffs one time? It'll make the uh, that division a lot more competitive, I think. Just we, always been dominated by the Patriots. And when you talk about looking at the schedule, I know from a fantasy perspective, you kind of pay attention to the beginning because everything can change later on in the year. Your lineup looks way different midway through the season. It's always fun to look at weeks 15 and 16 and just see who the playoffs are against. But early on in the season, just one team to note is the Houston Texans. Bill O'Brien, Deshaun Watson throwing it to all these guys that aren't DeAndre Hopkins. (laughs) They have to play, listen to this, they have to play week one at the Chiefs, at the Chiefs, and everyone is watching because it's the only game on. It's the first game of NFL when it's possible that no one has seen a sport since early March. That sounds awful. Week two, they go... No, they don't go to. They play against Baltimore. Lamar Jackson is the quarterback of that team. So... And both of those teams, right? (laughs) You're looking at a 110 to 30 point differential in those two games, I think. Mm -hmm. That's correct. You got to be able to score points to beat either of those teams. They're going to put points on the board. You have to put points on the board. And now you're minus DeAndre Hopkins. Oh, man. And we'll get to that. But, Lord. Oh, man. (laughs) And then week three is at the Steelers, which has arguably the best defense in the league. So if over under a half of a win for the Texans in that stretch. Yeah, I don't I don't really know what to think about the Steelers this year. I don't. I don't think they're going to be super tough, but I think they'll be good enough to beat Houston. Definitely. Anything else to note from the schedule other than there is a schedule and the first game is still September 10th. How that's an amazing thing in itself. In a positive way? I think it's great. I think the NFL's being optimistic, definitely. They're selling tickets. They're still saying that they're going to try to get fans in the stands, but I guess it's good to be optimistic at this point and just kind of see how, like you were saying, it's, it's a possibility that they're the first sport to play, but hopefully they get to learn from MLB reopening and NHL reopening, see how fans react, how the media reacts. You get a player that catches COVID-19. How do they progress? How do they handle it? And NFL is just going to have the luxury of observing all of that and not and getting to learn from their mistakes, really. And really, if somebody... and What is, what is Roger Goodell going to do? Well, what, he's going to watch all these things happen from these other leagues. He's going to take notes, and then he's going to do whatever he wants anyway. <laughs> he's, he's notorious for his good decision-making when it comes to being in the limelight with this kind of stuff. So it is great precedence that he sets in his punishments that he completely breaks and decides when to and when to not follow. If he fails after having getting to watch every other league go before him and see how they handle it, then he's got, I mean, just no hope. Anthony, I called you Mr. Brown earlier and I'm going to call you Mr. Baseball. Who's better at their job, Roger Goodell or Rob Manfred? Oh man. I don't know. Goodell's better. Actually, I don't know, man. Goodell's more competent. He's just greedy. Wow. He's just greedy. Mm-hmm. Goodell's more competent, though. Manfred is is like I don't even know. I don't. I don't even know the reasoning behind anything he does. So, what do you yeah, guys I think say? What, 
Go ahead. What Goodell's good at is creating media and creating hype and stirring things up. He knows people hate him. He knows he gets booed every year at the draft, but you know what? People talk about it. And every offseason, there's something to talk about with the NFL, whether it's deflate gate or some kind of player crisis here or there. There's always NFL in the news, even in the offseason. And I think that's not just uh, encouraged, but manufactured at times. What do you guys say we get some free agent news? Yeah? Sounds Let's like a plan. It. Do you want to start with the GOAT? We're Tom, already talking about him. We're already talking about him, but Tom Brady to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He spent 20 years with the Patriots. 20 years with the Patriots. He's going to be 43 when the season starts. And just to put that into perspective, Brett Favre was 41 when he ended his career, that last game they ever played. And I thought that there's no way anyone's ever going to be as old as this guy who's stumbling out here. Like guy that looked the oldest was probably Peyton. Well, he was only like 39, right? He looked like he could barely walk out there. (laughs) (laughs) You know where he was. But I mean, Brady's got what, like the keto diet or something keeping him young. It's that avocado ice cream, man. That's what keeps him young. Apparently (laughs) it's just a straight up like TB 12 diet. Isn't it? He made his own or like a nutrition system. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know and what the diet is in it. Does he have any fantasy relevance in Tampa? Oh, certainly. Yeah? Yeah, they're uh, adding weapons around him. They're getting him protection. I mean, he's going to be able – he has football intelligence, and he's still going to be able to throw to open receivers. I think – I don't know if they're going to win a Super Bowl, but he's going to be able to put up some streaming weeks for you whenever they got a good matchup. I don't know if I'd be plugging him in every week, but – Definitely at the right situation. Now, part of that also is going to be because he's going to throw this guy who he's very familiar with. Rob Gronkowski, Gronk, comes out of retirement just to, to join Tom down there in Tampa Bay. Now, expectations for Rob Gronkowski are everywhere, it seems. But let me read you one thing about Gronk. It's going to, first for a second, and that's his injury list. Because oh, yeah. he's 31 years old. And look, at this is what's happened to him since he's been in the NFL. A vertebral hernia. He broke his arm in 2013. He had a grade one knee strain and a grade one hamstring pull in 2015 and 16. One document, at least that I found, one documented concussion. But he's been on record saying he's suffered, in his approximation, around 20 concussions. Five of which were, quote, blackout ones. Was that when he was pushing his CBD after he retired? I'm sure it was. <laughs> Same time as Tide Pods and CBD. But another quote, and this is the last thing that we can talk about, Rob Gronkowski, but after the Super Bowl, when they won that Super Bowl, he said that they drained one liter of blood from his quad due to severe internal bleeding. And then he, and then he retired. How do you feel? How, how much, how do you feel about Rob Gronkowski drafting him with uh, 20 concussions slash five blackout ones. I want to do exactly as I used to do every year with Tom, or sorry, with Rob Garankowski is avoid him. I mean, he was always first or second round tight end pick no matter what. And yeah, he always had the injury issues. He'd always be missing key weeks for you. And now there's just a bigger question mark. Like is, is the Tom Brady Gronk thing going to be as big in Tampa Bay? I mean, it's probably still going to be a heavy target of Tom Brady's, but. You got the injury risk. You got a year out of football. 
I, I don't want to touch it. He's still going to go high. People are going to hype him up in the drafts. And in the 10-plus years we've done this, I've never once had him on my team because I was never willing to take him as high as he went. And I, for sure, am not going to. He's not going to drop low enough to where I would be willing to risk it on him. He's well-rested, though. That's true. <laughs> I mean, this is as healthy as he's going to get. That's true. He's only 31. I don't know. I mean, I'm not taking him high, though. I agree with you guys. There's, there seems to be a decent amount of good tight ends these days where it used to be like you had two or three. So it's a little bit different these days than it was then, I think, too. I do got to admit, every year, like five years, or sorry, five weeks into the season, I get to that point where it's like that late tight end I took, either he's paying off or he's not. And if he's not, everybody who has a tight end who's actually producing is holding on for dear life with him, and you're struggling to find somebody to stream. So usually there's one or two teams in fantasy I have a year where I'm scrambling to find a productive tight end. Maybe if I drafted higher, I wouldn't have that issue, but I'm still not drafting Gronk. Now, if it comes to round 10 and 11, and I love my team for the first nine, nine rounds, and I don't have a quarterback, and I don't have a tight end, and this is a redraft league, and you can tell me I get Tom and Gronk and I get that connection for it's not going to be 16 weeks it's just not going to be I don't know how they're going to stay healthy for that long I can reread the injury list if you want but are you saying you're going to get Gronk in the ninth round no it would be it would probably have to go I think Tom Brady's going to go a lot higher than a lot of people think he's going to Tom Brady was going late last year on the Patriots so you think he's going to go higher this year I think it's because of Chris Godwin Mike Evans, now Rob Gronkowski versus Julian Edelman and Julian Edelman's wife. And Julian Edelman. <laughs> I think she, th- that's the case. You did know that he was a system quarterback, right, Danny? That's right. That's right. <laughs> and you got, you got, apparently Godwin's just going to fill in the Edelman role because sometimes it seemed like Tom Brady only had eyes for Edelman and now he doesn't have that. But I, I don't know. Rob Gronkowski is just one of those. He, he may finish as the tight end one if he somehow stays healthy and then scores 13 touchdowns. I can see even if Tom Brady isn't the same old Brady, if he really was a system quarterback and he struggles to do what he did in New England, he's still going to rely on Gronk in the red zone if Gronk's on the field. So yeah. he almost seems like a sure bet than Brady down there to me, but I'm probably staying away from both, to be honest. Moving out of Florida... And out west to Arizona, DeAndre Hopkins. Well, he wasn't in Florida, but we were in Florida when we were talking about the other, the other guys. <laughs> he say. was in Texas. He was with the Texans. And then out of nowhere, I felt like it was out of nowhere. Yeah, it definitely yeah. was. The Texans deal him to Arizona and get this guy, David Johnson, who had an incredible season how many years ago? <laughs> and then he was really, and then he got replaced by Kenyon Drake. Uh, I'll say nothing's ever out of nowhere with Bill O'Brien. He he does what he wants. He's a GM. It's usually a bad idea. He makes all the decisions there. And I, this one was a just a crazy question mark. I have no idea what's happening. But now DeAndre Hopkins, Arizona. He's got Kyler Murray throwing it to him instead of Deshaun Watson. But Kyler Murray seems like after one year to be a startable, good NFL quarterback with a promising future. So what do you think of DeAndre Hopkins now that he is an Arizona Cardinal and not a Houston Texan? I think it's great for Kyler Murray. I think he uh, actually had a pretty impressive year last year that flew under the radar a bit, and they're adding weapons for him. 
they got another running back in there, Kenyon Drake, to balance out the run game versus the pass game. They added uh, a tackle in the draft. I think their offense is going to be sneaky good this year compared to last year. I think it allows them to be a lot more risky because, I mean, let's be honest, you throw the ball anywhere near DeAndre and he catches it. It doesn't have to be those perfect passes. So I think it's definitely going to give him confidence knowing that that guy's out there, you know, every play. Yeah, between DeAndre Hopkins and maybe Michael Thomas, those guys have the best catch radiuses in the league, I think. That's what I was going to ask. Has Hopkins, is he the number two wide receiver? Right now, we haven't done our rankings yet. We haven't pumped those out. But right now, on record, is he number two? I, Michael Thomas, I would imagine, as everyone's number one, is Hopkins number two. What I like about Hopkins is he has caught passes and been a productive fantasy player with some awful quarterbacks, just terrible quarterbacks. So you know he's a playmaker no matter who he's playing with. And I think Kyler Murray is an upgrade from a lot of those terrible quarterbacks he's played with. And I think it's going to be a good situation. I'm looking at DeAndre Hopkins very early. Yeah, I'd have trouble putting anybody other than Thomas above him right now. But again, yeah, I haven't really done a whole lot of diving into all that yet. So I want to make a quick comparison to my my uh, Cleveland Browns here. So do you worry at all? You know, they put the Browns put OBJ into the system in Baker's second year and the whole thing just completely flopped. Do you worry about that with Watson going to Arizona, that it's just going to be just a different system, and for whatever reason, it's just not going to mesh right? Or I just do you have more faith? Anything the Browns touch just crumbles. <laughs> so I really think that was the problem. I don't okay. think it'll be quite as bad of a situation for Hopkins. Yeah, I have to agree with Scott on this one. <laughs> I was about to say something along the very same lines. I can't argue that. So, I mean, yeah, that's fine if you want to go with that. Todd Gurley is now in the Atlanta Falcons. He replaces Devontae Freeman. This is his sixth year. He got a massive contract from L.A. It was four years, $60 million, $45 million of that guaranteed. And then after two years, they're like, no, never mind. We don't have that kind of uh, bank account. So Todd Gurley on Atlanta. What do you it's, think? I think it's great for Gurley. I mean, that's his home state. Uh, he, he's a clearly happy of playing there. And what I like about it the most is the Rams are still paying the vast majority of his contract to play there. So I love seeing that. I love seeing the Rams suffer in LA. <laughs> They're apparently, from what I'm reading, he's due something along the lines of 10.5 mil still. Yeah. I, and he signed a one year $5.5 million contract. He's like, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's totally fine. Uh, anywhere he goes, I think as long as he's healthy, he's going to be fine. Is he healthy though? But that is that is the big yeah. question: is how those old man knees going to hold up? I mean, because he's going to be splitting touches at most. Like he's not going to be more than a fifty percent timeshare, right? Are yeah, they going to sign somebody else, or who's behind him? I mean, Edo Smith is he the next guy up right now? I mean, I mean that guy's not very good though. I mean, it's a uh, one year deal. I wouldn't rely on Gurley for more than 50% of my touches with his knees and bone spurs or whatever they say about him now. It's it arthritis. I mean, yeah. Arthritis in the knee. I just can't. You, uh, I don't know. I don't know. But if he can get back to those, the 2018 days, 2017 days, then that's going to be, then Atlanta's going to be really, really good. That is exactly what Matt Ryan could use. I think it's going to be a 
really cool team. Um, what is it? Their entire offensive roster is first round picks or something like that. With uh, Matt Ryan, Todd Gurley, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Hayden Hurst. Where did he's their tight end? I don't know. If, I don't know what round he went in, but I think he might. He was round one. Yeah, 2018 and draft. I didn't fact check this. I definitely heard it offhand, but I'm pretty sure it's even their O line. Everybody's mm-hmm. first round pick, so it should be a fun team to watch. Although they're all not in their prime by a long shot. Yeah, Calvin Ridley could get there though. He could oh, yeah. there this year, but moving on, Stefan Diggs. He is a Buffalo Bill now. Was a Minnesota Viking. This is the sixth year in the in the league, and Minnesota did everything with Stefan Diggs. They they sent him, you know, buddy, just go along. That's fine. And then they put him in the slot, and he ran these little itty bitty little slants, and he proved that he could do either one of those things, kind of. But now he's in Buffalo. Mm, what do you think of Stefan Diggs in Buffalo? I was never huge on him on the Vikings, but I do think it's a good weapon to add for Josh Allen. I think Josh Allen hasn't had his full opportunity to show what he can do, and I think this really helps out there. Yeah, it definitely opens up their offense. I don't know if for Diggs personally it's going to inflate his numbers at all, but I think, yeah, Buffalo's passing game just got significantly better. For I mean, sure. what, they had John Brown and Cole Beasley right. besides Diggs. Right. They needed something for Josh Allen. Yeah. And John Brown's good, but John Brown is one of those deep threats, and Josh Allen is not a very accurate quarterback by any stretch. So, I mean, they could use something else. I think he benefited in Minnesota by having Thielen there, you know, more opportunities. And if he's the, the guy in Buffalo, it's going to, you know, he's going to be under double coverage a lot and it's going to hurt him. Mr. Cleveland, Austin Hooper, your, your boy, Anthony, <laughs> <laughs> my boy, Austin Hooper, Austin Hooper, another weapon for this on paper, outstanding Cleveland Browns team. I mean, really, it looks, it looks really good. That's who else we were talking about last year, too, by the way. That's exactly what I thought last year. (laughs) That's that's true. I think the difference last year was the O-line, and they've got an O-line now. Um, Maybe not an elite O-line, but it was really, really, really bad last year. And they had a coach that, quite frankly, had no idea what he was doing. (laughs) From a a fantasy perspective, doesn't this really just – make the tight end situation in Cleveland muddled between Njoku and Hooper. Yeah, I thought Njoku was actually shaping up to be pretty solid and going to be a a good tight end. And now he's, you know, unless they dual thread it, he's not going to be out of there. And they might do that. They they will, yeah. Two tight end sets. Stefanski, that's that's one of his things, the dual tight end threat. Um, The other key is going to be if Njoku is healthy or not because he can be effective. He's shown talent, but if he's on the field is the big question, but it could be a very, very spread out offense, which would diminish a lot of those guys' fantasy values. Um, so we'll just have to see how it plays out health wise and that kind of stuff. It makes me think it's going to be very similar to last year's like Jack Doyle, Eric Ebron thing and in Indy. Like there's going to be weeks that both of them have good fantasy weeks, but good luck picking the right one and streaming the right one. Right. Philip rivers. He's not a charger. He's not charged. The 38-year-old guy in his 17th year, and that doesn't even sound that old because we just got done talking about Tom Brady <laughs> and Brett Favre. I, 
But 38 years old, 17th year. His first 16 were in San Diego slash L.A. What, what is Phil? He's on a one-year contract. He already has a job lined up after he's done playing at a high school in Alabama. He's going to be the head coach there, which sounds, he sounds very gung-ho about doing. So what do you do with Phillip Rivers from a fantasy perspective? I, you know, I've always liked Philly Rivers. He's, a, he's kind of a dick, but I've always liked him. He's a gamer. He plays hard, and he loves what he does. And it's going to be weird to see him on the Colts, especially being a Titans fan. That's, a, that's an arch nemesis right there. But I've always liked watching him play. They're, they're adding weapons for him, getting Pittman in the draft. Uh, I'll be interested to see what he can do there. I'm excited for him. Like their scheme in San Diego was just they threw the ball a lot, even with Melvin Gordon. So even when there were weren't winning games, it seemed like he still always put up solid fantasy numbers, regardless, just because they threw the ball so much. A lot of times they were behind by so much, but <laughs> Yeah, and he threw twenty interceptions last year. Um that was one less than Baker Mayfield. Just I had to throw on the Browns. I had to throw on <laughs> a stat about that. But that was quite a bit of interceptions. He threw only through 23 touchdown passes. And I, I, I wonder how much he was just like trying to carry the entire team. He's like, I don't even care. I'm going to Jameis Winston this shit, and I'm just going to throw it. And, I, you know, you pick it off, that's fine. I'm going to throw it again next time, too. Yeah. You got to like him being able to go back and still put the ball in the air without worrying too much yeah. about throwing another interception. But. And- and Frank Reich is the head coach of the Colts, and that's important because he was the offensive coordinator years ago in the heyday of Philip Rivers as a Charger. So there's some familiarity there. I mean, there's as long of a leash as you can possibly get. He can just do whatever he wants. So I'm expecting good things. Me too. I don't, I don't think last year in L.A. was a good indicator. And first of all, playing in L.A. at for the Chargers, how awful does it have to be? There's like two Chargers fans in the stadium and all opposing fans surrounding you. It's I definitely not- see the Colts taking a big step forward, honestly, this year. Like you said, Matt, they they were adding some good pieces in the draft, so I actually have some excitement to watch them this year and see what they do. Melvin Gordon is no longer a Charger. Speaking of the Chargers, he's no longer a Charger. He's now a Denver Bronco. That's kind of a weird... That was, that was weird to me. How did you feel about that? I thought that was a weird place for him to go. I think he was waiting to get a call, really. You know, he went to wherever wanted him. And I can see it being good for Denver. Um, obviously, they have Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman, but neither of them have really stepped up and taken over that backfield. Philip had that, Philip Lindsay had that incredible, like, first breakout year, but really kind of faded last year. So, who knows, maybe this will force somebody to be the big playmaker for him. And I think Broncos have definitely made some moves elsewhere, so it should be exciting offense to watch this year. I would have to think that one of those two won't be there by the end of the season. Lindsey uh-huh. or Freeman, I think one of them is going to get traded for something then. It'll be by the start of the season. You yeah. Know. What, what kind what of are you get trade value? Yeah. Or maybe, Philip Lindsey, really. really. Lindsey was good, though. Lindsey, I think he was a 1,000-yard rusher last year, and he was, I think, Pretty really? good in the red zone. He was pretty good in the red zone, even though he's a small guy. Uh, he I'd like would to have, see where you fell on the fantasy charts. He would have some, I think, like trade value more so than Royce Freeman. Royce Freeman just never seemed to emerge as the guy. I mean, Melvin Gordon, I mean, he's, he's averaging nine touchdowns on the ground the last four years. 
I have to believe they're going to give the ball to him. If anything, it's going to be a 60-40 split to me, 65-35 split. I don't see Philip Lindsay touching the ball at nearly as much as people are giving him credit for. Philip Lindsay was, uh, he had 1,011 rushing yards last year. Um, let's see, yeah, fantasy points, 162.7 on the year. So number 19 running back in fantasy last year. A lot better than I expected. Then you got just a couple other people that are not on a team, but you would have to imagine will stop being free agents, specifically Jadavion Clowney. I mean, he's not an offensive player, but he definitely affects fantasy football. I thought it was almost certain he was going to the Titans after how the Titans drafted. One of their what is the goddamn holdup? <laughs> one of their biggest needs was an edge rusher, and I thought they had a good draft, assuming they'd get Clowney to fill that hole. But it seems like the price tag keeps going down on him. Last I heard, people aren't willing to pay more than ten mil. I'm fine with that. Ten mil because he was wanting like eighteen. Yeah, that's that's almost twice as much. <laughs> almost <laughs> that's fast math uh and the other one that i thought was notable is scooty newts uh cam newton cameron uh newton cameron isaac newton i think that's his middle name <laughs> he's not on a team and do you think that this covid world is part of the reason he's not on a team right now because teams just can't get their hands on him to evaluate his health I think he's just too busy modeling hats and glasses. I mean, he does look good, though. <laughs> does La, he? La, Jesus, he looks good, though. I imagine he wants too much money, but you got to figure with the quarterback play amongst the bottom feeders in the league last how many years, somebody's got to sign him. He's got to be better than some of the starters out there. Talk about Patriots. a guy who's always injured, too, and it's always little... Yeah. Like, I know they must be serious enough injuries, but they just, like, you get Stafford out there playing with a fractured disc in his back, and then Cam Newton has, like, a stubbed toe, and he's out eight weeks. Come on. Like, who wants that? Right. So, DraftKings Sportsbook has the New England Patriots as Cam Newton's most likely destination. Right? That's crazy. Right? Like, I feel, I mean, it's, they say that they are Jared Stenham. That's, he's the guy. Right, he's, he is he is the guy, and they proved that in the draft. But we'll talk about him coming up here. Do you guys want to take a quick break? Yes, yeah, sounds Stretcher. good. And we'll be right back. All right, we're back with the chumps talking about football. We just got done talking about the free agent market and where people have gone things of that nature, trades, how that's affected fantasy. But let's get to the rookies, them rookies. The NFL draft just got completed, I don't know, a month ago, something like that, and it was a massive success. But let's talk about how we feel the draft went, fantasy implications, NFL implications, what you loved, what you hated. In the segment, we're going to call Peaches, Reaches, and Screeches. That rhymed. It, all, all three of them did. It flows <laughs> off your tongue. Yeah. I'm going to take credit for it because I'm talking, even though it wasn't mine. <laughs> but we're going to talk about what we liked in Peaches, what we thought was questionable in Reaches, and we thought was just absolutely absurd with the Screeches. Scott, what do you got for us? What did you like? What did you like? We'll start with the Peaches. What did you all like? All right. So my, my first Peach, and this is 
I'm gonna have a little tangent on this one. Is the the Jalen Hurts pick? Ooh, uh, yeah. yeah. Now went to the Eagles, who obviously has you know Wentz, so they're not really in need of a quarterback. But here's here's why I like it, and here's why I, why I think they may have done this. Um, first of all, if nothing else, obviously you've got him as trade material, you know. Secondly, you know, Wentz has gotten hurt, so you've got a solid backup, you know, if that does happen again, you got a safety net for him. And third, you can use them as, you know, kind of like Hills used in New Orleans. He can get in there on plays, whether it be Wildcat or a little dump off, so that he's involved, he's in the system, even though he's not the quarterback, or there's certain plays he could be. Uh, but the real part that I like is I feel like we're almost going to the mobile quarterback 2.0 in the NFL. You know, it all started with the Cam Newton, Robert Griffin, you know, when they were just exploded on the scene and everybody was crazy about them because they were getting all these rushing yards. And then it kind of went to, oh, they can't sustain all these hits. You know, this isn't sustainable. We're not going to be able to keep this going. And we, it kind of went away from that. And now I think it's coming back, and you can see that with, you know, you got Lamar Jackson last year. You know, you got Deshaun Watson, Mahomes, Haskins, Murray, all these guys that are just as likely to, you know, put up 75 rushing yards as they are throwing for 300 in a game, you know? And I think it's almost transitioning to a, a point where teams might be looking at quarterbacks like running backs to where you're only going to get a handful of prime years out of them. You're not going to have a lot of the Peyton Mannings and Tom Brady's where they're your you know, franchise quarterback for 10, 12-plus years. So it's one of those where I think a lot of teams, and this being a pick for them where you've got that guy, if he emerges, that you know, it's, it seems really hard to defend against those teams because you've got so much more in your arsenal that the defense has to worry about now because you've got that mobile quarterback, you know, the RPO style of offense i mean you saw what you know lamar jackson did last year and how that just killed defenses and i think that you know teams are building to win in the next couple years so if they've got that quarterback that's you know going to be really difficult for defenses they're going to start taking those guys because they want to win now and there's going to be so few of those guys out there that's going to be a quarterback for longevity like we've seen historically that are all throwing and don't run the ball very much other than QB sneaks. So Philly just signed Wentz to a four-year deal, right? So the near future outlook for Jalen Hurts is strictly going to be running some of these RPO formations, I guess, maybe just to give Wentz a breather or to pull him over for a chat on the sideline or something. Or insurance, health insurance. Health insurance for Wentz too, because I think what he tore is ACL. ACL? That's very true. Nick Foles. Yeah, the Mm -hmm. Nick Foles year. Yeah, so he could be... If they think that he is a stud, I mean, they got him at the end of the second round. Yeah, I mean, they they yeah, obviously believe in him. Value. I mean, they obviously believe in him. So, I mean, maybe at a worst, could be just the 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 insurance. But um, who else you got, Scott? You got a couple we can run through quickly? Um, yeah, uh, I got Devin Duvernay. If I said that right, uh, fourth round receiver to Baltimore, it's French. Um, <laughs> they desperately needed a wide receiver. Is yeah. it's crazy how what they did offensively, but had the least amount of receiving yards for receivers in the NFL last year. So much went to tight ends that they didn't really have that guy to go to. 
Um, and, you know, it looks like they got some value with him. He was a 13th-ranked receiver. They got him as the 17th one taken in the draft, so some people looked past him. So maybe they got some value out of him. I think he's uh, a great fit for that offense, yeah, too. He can play the slot, has incredible speed and good hands. Like, just somebody that Lamar Jackson can get the ball near and let him make a play with his speed and sure-handed guy to not drop or muff any catches. It's like you just read the next note off my sheet. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I do have your note sheet. Yeah. <laughs> like you said, he's that fast guy, and obviously they were quick on their decision-making plays. So it's like all those linebackers, you know, they make one misstep in thinking it's going to be a run, and he's behind them, and now they got that threat, you know, a little more than they had. Yeah, I don't expect any type of regression from Lamar Jackson, but it definitely helps ensure that there won't be when you put some some speed on the offense, you know, from the wide receiver position. Anyone else? Uh, my last peach is a combination. Oh, goodness. For, for the old Denver Broncos with the Jerry Judy pick. I want for, you to uh, say this next name. Was that? I want you to say this next name. I didn't correctly. even write the whole one. I just wrote <laughs> Alberto. <laughs> Okwebunam. Albert Okwebunam. <laughs> so obviously, Jerry Judy, a stud receiver, you know, number one ranked receiver going into the draft. Um, and obviously, we're a little biased to our, our boy Locke, you know, from Mizzou. So we want to see him succeed and getting that, that guy in his repertoire. And I mean, who they have before that? Sutton was pretty much all they had. From they have from Noah Fan. Oh, from uh, yeah, that's all they have was, was really to speak of with Sutton because I think, the, yeah. So yeah, I think Jerry Judy obviously is a huge. He's gonna make a big impact right away, and then the Alberto, like I said, we're biased. Couple Mizzou grads reconnecting there. Um, I guess Alberto didn't grad. He left early, but that's <laughs> <laughs> okay. Close but, enough. Uh, but I mean, you know how story much, of my life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For us, actually watching them over the years, like you saw how much he went to him in the red zone, and how much he was his, you know, third down conversion guy. But he still got that speed to make big plays. Like I see Albert O, you know, very similar, to like a Travis Kelsey type tight end, where he can make the long, deep plays, but also is going to be that red zone target, you know, might be like the Mark Andrews of last year where he just gets a lot of touchdowns because he's kind of the first look for the quarterback in the red zone. So I think Locke and Alberto reconnecting is going to be pretty exciting to watch. Matt, give us some peaches. Uh, my first peach was Isaiah Simmons with Arizona. I think it was a great pick for them because it filled a huge hole they had. Let's remember last year in fantasy, who was the team you wanted to stream a tight end against? Yeah. The Cardinals. Yeah. And this guy, uh, outside linebacker, he's supposed to just be a physical stud all around. But uh, one thing they say he's great is matching up with tight ends and playing them in coverage. He's also apparently a good pass rusher and really good at just playing QB spy. All all very important things out of your outside linebackers. Just a great pick for them overall. Yeah. And I was really worried that the Cardinals, I don't know why I was worried, like I'm a Cardinals fan or something, but like, I was worried that they were going to take a wide receiver because there's a lot of talk before the draft that they were going to take a wide receiver like Jerry Judy or something like that. <laughs> Could or, you imagine? Or, or Rux. Like, what do you guys do? Like, I, I get it. We get it. <laughs> you guys have a really good offense. But it was, yeah, because that's really what they needed was an outside linebacker. And they got the arguably the best one. I think they got the best defensive player in the draft this year. So great pick by them at number eight. Um, 
after that, I just wanted to give a little shout out to Titans. I think they got great value with uh, Christian Fulton, uh, the end of the second round. They needed a cornerback. They got one. I think he fell a lot farther than people thought he'd fall. I think there were some questionable picks at cornerback before him. So good value, good fill. Uh, I was happy with it as a Titans fan. Yeah, that's what I read too. I mean, there's a lot of corners taken in the first two rounds of this draft. A lot of them. And the value of Fulton, I think he's better than some of the ones that win the first round, but we'll get to that. Anyone else? You, Danny. Oh, it's me? My page is, I'm really big on this guy. I'm really big on my first one, Michael Pittman. Michael Pittman went to USC. The Colts took him the 34th pick, the second pick in the round two. Pittman is 6'4", 223, and I think he's going to be the perfect partner to T.Y. Hilton. Like, let me give you a comparison of what I think this could be with the Colts. Now that especially Phillip Rivers is the quarterback, and I personally like Phillip Rivers quite a bit. But in Seattle, they've got Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. Tyler Lockett's little guy, 5'10", I think. Stretches the field, lightning fast, all that stuff. That's T.Y. Hilton. And now they got D.K. Metcalf, who is one of the biggest human beings I've ever seen in my life. And so is Michael Pittman. I think that that's exactly what the Colts need. They need somebody other than T.Y. Hilton. And I think that Phil Rivers is going to learn really quickly that this guy is, he is a stud on the perimeter. He's just a big frame. And I think the Colts are going to love him. And he's someone that I'm going to target late in fantasy drafts. Because I think the volume is going to be there. I think he'll get more volume than Hilton if, if he's that big body, sure handed receiver. But what that's going to do is pull coverage off Hilton, and Hilton's going to get some of those games with just like three receptions, but they're all 60 yard receptions with like two of them being TDs. So I think, I think it's great for the team. I think it's great for Philip Rivers, and I think both him and TY can be productive there. And I've always absolutely hated having TY Hilton on my fantasy teams because I can never. Pittman's going to do well range. for the eight weeks that Hilton is hurt. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's just another couple that I wanted to talk about. Keyshawn Vaughn in the third round, the 76th pick overall as a running back, went to the Buccaneers. And the reason why I really like him quickly is because he can pass block. That's what the big thing, the big check mark on his draft analysis was he can pass block. And who's their quarterback right now? Tom Brady, what do they value the most right now is <laughs> keeping that guy upright. Otherwise, this whole season is, is a disaster. And the so, guy behind him, Ronald Jones, is not Bruce Arians' guy. He inherited him, and you could tell right away, like, Ronald Jones looks at Bruce Arians wrong, and he gets benched for the rest of the game. So I think this is the guy. On was a bit of a reach there, but obviously, like you said, he was... He was drafted to help with pass protection for Brady. Do you really think he's going to be fantasy relevant if they're just trying to plug him in there in pass pro situations? He's a good running back. He played for Vanderbilt, and Vanderbilt's terrible. That's true. (laughs) So Unless they played Mizzou. My God, let's not talk about that. But, yeah, so I I think he's going to be good. I think that a third-round pick, they must have really liked him. And the last one, I just had to name, is it uh, Mackay? Sorry, Mackay Becton? He's, a, he's an old lineman from Louisville, and the Jets took him with the 11th overall pick. And the reason why I love this pick, this guy is six foot seven and 364 pounds. Can you just imagine the sheer size of this guy on the offensive line blocking for Sam Darnold and for Le'Veon Bell? He's a good 
he's a good pass blocker and run blocker. I just love that for what that does for the Jets offense in general. He's a big need because they just lost a couple O linemen, didn't they, during the yeah. offseason? Yeah, and they they were they they both needed like Le'Veon Bell was statistically awful last year. They could use all the help they get, and I don't necessarily believe in Sam Darnold, but this sure helps because that I, that's that's just absurd how large of a man that is. But does he make Le'Veon Bell more attractive this year in fantasy? Where do you think Le'Veon Bell's even going to go in drafts this year? Late second, maybe early. It's it just depends on. I haven't looked at all the teams. How many teams are going to have those three down? You know, bell cow backs. I think that's what it comes down to. Because I would take Bell before I would take somebody who's sharing time. You know, even though he's on the Jets. So Scott doesn't believe in Frank Gore, and it's okay. I don't either. <laughs> it's all about the system, man. I mean, that's the way it is with running backs now. That's why you don't have these guys that have super you know, long, successful careers. It's all about the system they're in. And with, with Bell, you know, you saw what he was able to do in Pittsburgh, and then they just plug Connor right in and just kept rolling, you know, but he goes over to the Jets, and it's just he doesn't have the same success, and I think it's a different system. Scott, give us some reaches. Uh, first one I have is Andrew Thomas, the uh, Giants offensive tackle. I think they took him fourth overall. Yes. Um, and the only reason I'm not going to act like I know a lot about all the offensive tackles out there in college, but, um, you know, he was the fourth ranked offensive tackle. So I don't know what they saw in him that, you know, the one, two, and three all went 10, 11, and 13. So they didn't last very long either. So I'm just curious as to why they, why they took him before the other guys, but clearly they saw something they liked. Right. Yeah. I mean, if they use at the top of their board, if, if he's the top of their board, you take your guy, and they really desperately need desperately needed to protect. Oh my God, what's his name? Daniel Jones. It's such a boring name. So does, so does Andrew Thomas. But uh, who else you got? I got one other reach, and I went with Jordan Love. Originally, oh, yeah, that guy. Originally, he was a screech for me, uh, but I I bumped him up to just a reach. I mean. Obviously, Rodgers is still there and fully capable of leading an offense. Like, I have no doubt about it. Um, and the only reason I made it a reach instead of a screech is I'm wondering if, like I was saying earlier, they're getting ready for the, the mobile quarterback scheme. You know, he ran a lot in college. He had a lot of touchdown runs. Um, they weren't necessarily big runs, but, you know, a lot of run pass option stuff to where he would scamper in for 12 to 15 yards, you know, stuff that Rodgers doesn't do. And if that's the way, you know, their new coach likes to play, then, you know, he, he could potentially be, you know, with his skill set, he could be a great quarterback. So they might end up getting really good value out of him. And it's just kind of a wait and see one. But, you know, he might. That's why it's a little bit of a reach, though. That yeah, there are certainly people screeching about that pick right now. But I think, uh, I mean, what was it? Uh, Aaron Rodgers is 36 now and Brett Favre was 35 when Aaron Rodgers was drafted so it's not unheard of that they would draft a quarterback to start developing behind him but uh, I think what makes it a reach definitely is the fact that they traded up to do this I, yeah. I don't think it addressed their needs uh, as much as other players on the board then that they could have let fall to them and uh, I don't know if Jordan loves a guy that you just really have to get to develop behind Rodgers but he could be you never know yeah, and I mean, 36 years old sounds young. 
now that we just got done yeah. talking about Tom Brady <laughs> and Phil Rivers, like he's only 36. <laughs> oh my God, he's got years left. Uh, Matt, who you got? Who who they reach? I got a uh, Jordan Brooks uh, drafted by Seattle and at the first round. Um, I think across the board, a lot of people are considering him a reach, so it shouldn't be much of a surprise. But they needed uh, another linebacker, but he's pretty one dimensional. It sounds like just kind of run defender. Uh, doesn't really help too much. The uh, uh, pass prote- or sorry, and pass coverage or anything like that. Other players on the board that may be more versatile or fill more of Seattle's needs. Uh, just a bit of a reach in general. Yeah, I mean, Seattle's taken step back after step back on defense ever since the Legion of Boom. Is there anyone left on that team from the Legion of Boom? I don't even. I don't even. I don't know, think bro. so. Yeah, well, they have their. They have Bobby Wagner still, and he's a linebacker. So, I mean, he's the good part of your defense. Bobby Wagner's incredible, but. Yeah, why Jordan Brooks in the first round if you have anyway? Yeah. Got anyone else? I think he was projected more like third round, maybe late second. So he probably would have been around there later on for him, but maybe he's their guy. Uh, other guy I had was Van Jefferson on the Rams. Uh, wasn't really a need for them. Uh, they picked him, what, in the second round, more towards the end of it. But I think his, his ranking, he would have been around there for a while. They could have filled more needs. They still got Woods and Cooper Cup, I believe. So yeah, he's a he's kind of a middle sized wide receiver too. Doesn't have the best seed, or sorry, best seed, best speed. But uh, gross. <laughs> uh, just, <laughs> wasn't too exciting without top end speed, big size, big physicality. Like I didn't see why they made that pick in the second round there. I feel like Jordan Reynolds did fine like last year. He's their third guy, their third receiver. He did fine last year in replacement of all every time one of those other three got injured. So, I mean, Josh Reynolds. What did I say? Jordan Reynolds? Yeah. That's a guy we knew from high school, isn't it? <laughs> <I'm> not, <laughs> Jordan, not Reynolds, <laughs> Jordan Reynolds, if you're listening. Shout hey, out what's to you. Up? <laughs> what up, man? Uh, my, reaches, my reaches were basically the entire Las Vegas Raiders first round i just i didn't like it i didn't like henry ruggs i don't know what the raiders obsession with speed is in the draft but you just can't whoever is the fastest receiver they're going to take it they did that with darius hayward bay a few years back like with a ninth overall pick or something like that and have you heard of darius hayward bay no no like i know i'm saying that henry ruggs is going to be bad He's not going to be bad. He was really, really good for Alabama. But I thought that Jerry Judy just checked off more boxes. And I wonder, with this kind of lightning speed and small frame, they're, gonna, they're trying to make him Tyreek Hill, right? Oh, my God. I'm so tired of hearing that comparison. <laughs> yeah. Every I know. small, fast receiver is the next Tyreek or Hill. Or is he going to be the next Tavon Austin? <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> and we remember how Tavon Austin went, for sure, being St. Louis people. But... I think a big part of it is a, a good scheme of uh, play calling that's adequate and plays that are designed for that player. And not every team is a Chiefs. Not every team's going to be able to make a Tyreek Hill, even if you have the physical freak of an athlete to be that guy. So we'll see. And would the would they have made this kind of would they have made that pick if the Chiefs weren't in their division? Because they know they're going to have to 
put up 45 points a game for the next, I guess, 40 years because Patrick Mahomes will play into his 50s by that point. I mean, I guess no matter who you're matched up against, you want a player that can do what Tyreek Hill does, just blow up a defense, and make them respect you on everywhere on the field, basically. So Right. And I guess my point is I thought that Jerry Judy and CeeDee Lamb could do that on a more consistent basis. But my other reach was... It's not really that bad, but Damon Arnett, the Raiders, they took him 19th overall. He's a corner. And I thought there was just a big gap between Okuda from the, the Ohio State corner and CJ Henderson. I thought there was a big gap between them. Those two corners were obviously the best. And I just thought that the corners going in the mid to end of the, of the first round, I know it was a need. I get that it was a need. Same thing with Atlanta. They took one in like the 15th, like 15th overall, something like that. They took one too, but. I felt like they could have addressed that in the second round, but those, that, I mean, not really many reaches because we get to screeches, and it's, it's hard to write when you're like, oh, I don't know about this guy. When you've got people that it was just red flag after red flag, so who you got, Scott, for your, your screeches? And I like the, the first one you got <laughs> written down here. So go yeah, for it. My first screech was the uh, Dolphins uh, every pick after Tua. Um, they had what, 11 total Yeah. They had a lot of 11 picks. picks in the draft. And after two, uh, for a team that did not have much offensively last year, I mean, they weren't horrendous passing, but they weren't, you know, they're middle of the pack, I, I think. And they didn't add any running back or wide receiver talent to their, their team. Like they just, nothing was exciting about what I looked at. And I mean, they waited to their very last pick for an unimpressive wide receiver. That was the only guy they added. So, I mean, it's still going to be the Devontae Parker show next year. That's that's literally all they have in Miami. So, I was just, I don't think they're, even with Tua, even if he comes in right off the bat and starts, I'm just, I don't Which think they're going to be exciting to watch, personally. Right. And it takes away from, I mean, Tua's a different story, but I'm interested in Ryan Fitzpatrick at the beginning. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that guy's the most fun. Side note, that guy's the most fun he makes football out player of to watch. <laughs> he he wants to win so goddamn bad. It doesn't help <laughs> him and Minshew, man. They got Florida just rocking right now. <laughs> what else you got, Scott? Uh, Panthers second round. Gross Matos. Uh, gross Matos. Gross Matos. Gross Matos. Looking at their needs, I just really wanted to see them take a wide receiver there, um, just because you. You got to get somebody there other than McCaffrey. You can't expect him to get the ball, what, like 58% of your plays again and stay healthy and be effective. Like he's going to get burnt out a little bit. I know last year he was a freak and he played every game, I think, and it went well for him. But it's just you got to get somebody out there to take away from, you know, his focus all the time. And, you know, at that point there was still, you know, I think the ranked 10, 11, 12 receivers. And instead, they went with like the fourth ranked defensive end. So it's like, I don't know how much value they got one over the other, but I just really feel like a wide receiver would do them a lot of benefit right now. Cool. Anyone else? Uh, last one. Um, I got Baltimore's first pick, uh, Patrick Queen, not, not him personally. Um, you know, he was the number one inside linebacker. You, you hate know, that guy. Pre <laughs> draft ranking wise. Um, but again, I feel like if they could have got one of those elite receivers, I know they got, you know, the fourth round, they picked a receiver, but there was still some pretty solid talent there, obviously, at that point. 
And looking at it, there was no other inside linebacker taken between their first round pick and their second round pick. Now, granted, he probably wouldn't have been there, I wouldn't imagine, by the time it came back around. But no one else took anybody, so the next guy on the list would have still been available, and they could have got that receiver that would have just been, you know, a much better one than they got, I think. Matt, I love your screeches. I want to swap yours for mine. (laughs) So go ahead and just just slam these guys. Yeah, my my first one is A.J. Dillon. Running back drafted by Green Bay, second round. I think it was pick 62. And I guess it's not as much of a uh, knock on him as just a bad pick by Green Bay. They they haven't addressed any of their needs yet, obviously. We talked about it or, earlier. They got Jordan Love in the first round. Uh, and they still need a wide receiver, a tackle. I think on the defensive side of the ball, they were looking for a linebacker. And we go with another running back. They still have... Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. It's not an urgent need of theirs. And it was it was still a reach on value a little bit too. I think he what was his uh ranking? It wasn't close to pick sixty-two. So big bruiser running back, not like a do anything kind of guy. I didn't see the reason for that pick at all. Yeah, he's a he's a big guy. And like if you're Aaron Rodgers and you're sitting there <laughs> and you watch Jordan Love get taken first, and even if you can swallow that pill. It's like, okay, okay, fine. But all right, let's let's get back to business and get me a receiver <laughs> yeah. right here. And then they get Aaron Jones scored nineteen touchdowns last year. Yeah. You know what? He t- he had sixteen on the ground, I think, and three through the he scored I mean, he's a great running back. Maybe he's not the long term future for the Packers or something like that, but why do that right there with Dylan? Yeah. They well, basically they took the two best players that they have and said, let's draft players at those positions in the first two rounds. <laughs> yeah. Makes yeah. zero sense. And I will like say some of those Aaron Jones touchdowns were like, he had one game with four touchdowns and three of them were one yard dives. Mm-hmm. But I mean, a touchdown is a touchdown in the fantasy world. So, right. Right. And who else? Uh, last one I had was Dalton Keene, uh, picked by new England tight end, uh, third round. They had just taken a tight end 10 picks earlier. <laughs> right, <laughs> and that's the thing. I understand that they like two tight end sets there, and they don't really have much that they're working with right now. But uh, the first tight end they took, uh, that Aziazi, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Excuse <Nice>. my pronunciation. <laughs> but uh looked like he graded out pretty well and was versatile and ready to roll. But uh, Dalton Keene seemed pretty one-dimensional. Can't really block uh not a i don't know he just didn't seem very exciting uh, a lot of better tight ends on the board and you just took one and you just <laughs> took one <laughs> just now yeah i think uh what was it adam troutman and harrison bryant were both still on the board when they took dalton Keene, who were both like i think top five uh tight end prospects this year so i don't know right yeah and my screech, I'm only going to give one because Scott touched on Jordan Love and he called him a reach. I called it a screech. I thought that it was just, just because it was just such a giant middle finger to air a Hall of Fame quarterback who's got more years left. But my biggest screech was Tua from Miami, the fifth overall pick. Tua, say what? Say what? <laughs> Round one, pick five to Miami, and a lot of people projected that to happen, but 
this is the deal. And I think it's, it, that's just such, you are putting so many eggs in that basket for someone who broke their hip. And have you seen the hip, the hit that he took when he fractured his hip? Didn't it, it was a huge, I mean, he, uh, he just got smashed in the ground. I'm surprised it wasn't just powder. <laughs> well, isn't that a he might never walk again type he was uh, he might never walk again the right way but now here he is pick up and it, i mean his talent is great and if he didn't break his goddamn hip i'd be like no it's, it's a it's a fine pick that's fine but they couldn't get their hands on him because of the covid thing that's happening here so they couldn't even really evaluate mm. his health i just think that's just whoa broken hip i mean what's what's the worst football injury you could probably have i mean it's probably a, an Achilles? I mean, that's bad. I mean, unless you're Emmanuel yeah. Sanders, that's bad. So basically, between that screech and Scott's screech, we've covered all of the Dolphins' picks this year oh, after there they yeah. stockpiled last year. <laughs> that, this is what they built for. Squandered opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's our Peaches, Reaches, and Screeches segment. Um, but... We also got veterans who were affected by this draft. A lot of veterans were affected for the better or for the worst. So we got winners and losers too. Who are the veterans? And we'll run through them quickly. The winners and losers veteran wise. Um, Scott, who's your winners of this draft that are veterans? Um, before the draft, I had Adam Thielen was a loser, obviously with Diggs getting sent. But since they obviously picked up Justin Jefferson, who's obviously going to be not quite the digs caliber in terms of deep threat that that is obviously going to help Thielen. If, if they didn't pick up something, I mean, he was going to get double covered all year and he wasn't going to be the Thielen of years past. So I think that was essential. Um, winners um, have Broncos fans. <laughs> it's just Good, in general. I just think with, with Locke and the young talent that they just added, I think they're just going to be exciting to watch. You know, I don't think they're going to be, a Super Bowl contender by any means. I think they might make a run at a playoff spot, maybe wild card. But I think they're just going to be fun to watch. So if they fail, it's just Drew Locke's fault. <laughs> Is there any way around it? I don't know. There's no. a lot of aspects here. We'll see. <laughs> uh, we kind of touched on Phil Rivers earlier. I think uh, he went to Indy, who showed that they want to build an offense quick. I mean, Marlon Mack had a pretty good year last year. And they've got Hilton and Doily, the veterans, but you know, like we Jonathan said, Jonathan Taylor too. Yep. Yeah, they added Taylor, who I think is honestly their running back of the future. I think he's going to be a stud. Um, so by adding him and you know the receiver uh, Pittman, I think they have a pretty pretty solid offense looking in for Rivers to walk in and inherit that. Or I think San Diego's well, LA now is probably going to take a step back. I think he was a winner. Um, and then lastly, Josh Allen, just by getting digs. I think that's, that's big for their offense, just to have that threat. Scott, go ahead and toss out your losers, too. And we'll do that. Winners and losers, winners and losers. Losers? All right, I got Mark Ingram, just because, you know, them adding a running back with their, their second pick. Um, you know, he's been in the league for, what, eight years now, about? Dobbins looks good, man. So, yeah, Dobbins. he was, looked like a workhorse so i think that's that might be the beginning of the end of the the load for ingram there and ingram got a lot of those goal line touchdowns too just kind of mm. bruising it in and it seems like that's the kind of guy dobbins will be for them 
the Philly receiver core. I imagine Deshaun Jackson is probably going to be on that the guy way still out. plays. Exactly. That's he right. didn't last year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was injured for 13 games. So somehow uh, he's always fantasy relevant though. Every year at the yeah. draft, it's like, when's Deshaun Jackson going to go? And I <laughs> no, say the he's, same thing. He's <laughs> fantasy he relevant. <laughs> he's fantasy relevant when he's playing against me. Like when I have, I see Deshaun Jackson and somebody's flex. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. Three catches for 140 yards and two touchdowns. What is this? <laughs> Yeah, um, I got A.J. Green with them taking a receiver, you know, their second pick. I, I think he's going to get traded away, which I guess for him could be good or bad, depending on where he, where he lands. I don't think they're going to give him the big contract, and uh, I think he'll be elsewhere. You know, they finally get Burroughs, you know, quarterback who's supposed to be a stud in there, and then he's going to get shipped away. Yeah. So we'll see. Um, and then honestly, with, with Mike Evans, I, I feel like with Brady, all the talk with his arm not being what it was, you know, the, the deep threat that Mike Evans was, because they used to just throw the ball, you know, Winston would just chuck it yeah, for 40 yards constantly to him, and he'd catch it half the time. So I think fantasy value, he might actually go down a little with Brady in there. Mike Evans, yeah, that's not, yeah. That's not unfair. Because Brady's not been throwing it very deep. Isn't Evans always poorly graded on like his uh, actual like metrics? But he always just performs well. I guess maybe that might change with a different quarterback system in place. He always pumps out the stats. He really, he really does. Other than his touchdowns, but touchdowns are variable for anybody. But I always think of Mike Evans back to the Texas A&M days with Johnny Manziel. And Johnny Manziel (laughs) would just close his eyes and just (laughs) throw it whatever direction. And somehow Mike Evans would just be like, you got to be kidding me. And he would just run over there and catch it and be like, wow, why is nobody talking about that guy? That guy making Johnny Manziel a first rounder. Yeah, Yeah, so we'll see how that goes. And then lastly is uh, I have Austin Hooper, and we kind of touched on it earlier just because now he's in Cleveland. and. Joke, we we know that they have a great ability to take great players and have Waiting. them work not well together. So it's been brutal for Anthony. <laughs> brutal episode one. Your team is trash. Never mind, because we're gonna get into the winners for Matt. Right. So let's let's talk about it, Matt. No, I get it though, man. I mean, he he joined a team that is just cursed, and also went into a, to a tight end set and is gonna be competing for uh, receiving yards and all that. So. Yeah, it's not a great situation for him. It helps the Browns, but it's not good for him. Well, you're going to like my winner pick because I think Baker Mayfield's a winner right now, um, not just sure. the draft, but also with free agency because they signed Jack Conklin, who's a pretty high-rated tackle, and they also drafted Jedrick Wills, one of the maybe the best offensive tackle in the draft. Yeah. So their O-line is just getting a huge upgrade there. And if anything, I think can help out Baker Mayfield, it's that. It gets him more time to get the ball to all these. His receiving core is a bunch of studs. OBJ, Landry, Njoku, Hooper. He, he has threats. He has an O-line now. And he has Chubb and Hunt in the backfield that not only balance out with the run game, but they're, I think they're also both relevant in the passing game. Sure. Time for a Chubb. For sure. <laughs> so I think... This is a show us what you got year for Baker Mayfield. I mean, everybody loves the controversy of whether or not he's actually going to be the guy or not. So we'll we'll see there. I completely agree. I'm 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 on the fence with Baker to be completely honest. And this is absolutely a make or break season for him. If he fails the season, it's his own fault. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I had Drew Locke listed in my winners, but I think that kind of goes too much with uh, Scott's uh, Broncos fans winner. It's kind of the same thing. They're putting the right things in place, similar to what they're doing for Baker. Right. So I won't hit that one too hard, but I will say uh, some reason I just, I like Kyler Murray. We talked about it earlier in this year. I think they added the right weapons for him. Um, I'm excited to see what happens there. So I think he's definitely a winner too. Awesome. You want to toss out your losers too? Losers. I think the biggest loser uh, was Panthers offense because mm-hmm. Panthers only drafted defensive players. Right. They didn't get, <laughs> they got Robbie Anderson in the free agency and they're like, that's it. They're fine. That's, we're, we're good. We're golden. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, we kind of talked about it a little bit with Gross Matos earlier, but. Gross Matos! <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, Panthers last year, it's not like they didn't have needs on offense. They had the fourth worst graded O line last year. That seems like a pretty big need. Their yeah. receiving core is just a bunch of B level talent, if you ask me. Um, you don't like DJ Moore? It's David Moore. Would you say, wait, who'd you say? Right. Who'd you say the Panthers? Or is it DJ Moore? Panthers, yeah, yeah Panthers, sorry. Yeah. I, DJ Moore's but, uh, okay, right? He's Yeah, B-level in my opinion. B-level. <laughs> this might but, be uh, a good old tank year for Carolina, to be yeah. honest. And yeah, you got a new quarterback with Bridgewater in the system, and you're not going to add anything to like help him out. You're not going to do anything to help out his style of play or give him some support. You're just going to put it. You're fine. Garrison, yeah, you're fine. <laughs> so I think Panthers just aren't even really trying on their offense. I guess I'll new quarterback too. They'll be fine. Yeah. Build the defense this year. Use up Bridgewater. Get rid of him. Get somebody else in next year, maybe. I don't know. But I yeah, you only got what a handful of years with uh McCaffrey before he's all used up. <laughs> maybe. I mean, I think he got four hundred touches. <laughs> he got over four hundred last year. Was yeah. it? <laughs> I'm like, God. Yeah. Take it easy. The but- other loser I had was just Cortland Sutton. I think they're the receiving core is definitely better after the draft with what they've added. But I think from a fantasy perspective, Sutland has to be a loser because he's just getting buried beneath a bunch of different targets. Uh, I think Drew Locke will have to focus on Sutton if he wants to be fantasy relevant. I mean, obviously, Drew Locke didn't have a full season last year, but I think he only had one game over 300 yards passing, an average of less than two TDs per game. So. Unless somehow Sutton becomes Drew Locke's by far favorite receiver with all this new talent they added, I just don't see it being a good fantasy situation for him. Um, You guys want me to toss out my winners quickly? Shall do. So, number one, I got Jared Stidham. He and I mean, they didn't they didn't get another quarterback, and they like that's awesome, right? He's he's clearly winner because I think he was a fourth round pick. And now he's Bill Belichick's quarterback and has his backing. That's awesome. Yeah, oh, and, they added, <laughs> and they added two tight ends for him. So he's got that going for <laughs> They've him. They've got all the tight ends in the world. Um, another one's Devontae Adams. Because if you don't pick another wide receiver, well, you can't put all your eggs in the Devin Funches basket, right? <laughs> They're making him their... Basket. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So all the targets... I mean, he's going to get triple teamed, but he's going to get a million targets. I also had uh, Tyler Boyd because he's the slot guy for the Bengals, and Joe Burrow loves the slot. I mean, he made Justin Hey-o. Jefferson a, <laughs> he made Justin Jefferson a first round pick. Not that Justin Jefferson is good, but Tyler Boyd's going to benefit from that quite a bit. That's and, a, yeah, it's a pretty good insight fantasy because I've never been big on Boyd in fantasy. He's had a few good weeks, but just nothing ever excited me about him. But with a right. change up in philosophy at quarterback, he could be a sneaky right. little target in the draft this year 
and everyone talks about DeAndre Hopkins and what a great move that was, but David Johnson, you got to remember, he's still going to play and he's going to get a lot of catches. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, Watson may run more now that Hopkins is gone. He may have to create, but Johnson's going to get the first team touches and he's going to get catches too. And if he has anything left in the tank from what he was, then he could be someone very, very valuable. Um. Oh, yeah. From a loser standpoint, just real quick. From a loser standpoint, I've had I got Aaron Rodgers, but we've talked about that enough. <laughs> Goodness, sorry, buddy. Poor guy. <laughs> uh, Damian Williams because Clyde Edwards-Alaire first round and yeah, uh, I can't believe and, they got that. Andy Reid uh, said that he's the greatest running back in history. So really, yeah, he's, they said he's better than Brian Westbrook. I heard there were a lot God. of. Pr- Prop bets for no running backs being picked in the first round, and they snagged him with a third yeah. second oh, pick. Oh, god damn it! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, other ones, Marlon Mack and Ronald Jones, both of those guys, had, there were running backs that were taken by their teams that I think are going to significantly take chunks out of their workload. And I put Michael Gallup there just because CD Lamb, there, could the hype be any bigger for CD Lamb right now? being on the Cowboys and I they're not going to not throw it to Amari Cooper so I just got to wonder I think Gallup is a stud and I think he might take a little precedence over Cooper you would think but Amari Cooper's got the name I don't know Alabama I don't know uh, I just remember Amari Cooper from back on his Raiders days whenever he'd drop anything that got thrown to him I don't like Amari <laughs> Cooper I just don't like him but the Cowboys do I mean whatever but yeah. it's just a bummer that there's a Another awesome one for Michael Gallup because I agree. I think he's really good. But that was our peaches, reaches, and screeches and our veteran winners and losers. So we only got a little bit of time left. I just want to toss out some some bets with you. Not bets. We're not betting anything, but I want to hear over unders from you from you guys on these things. And I haven't they don't you guys don't know what these are yet, but you tell me. So I've got seven of them here. We'll go quick. All right. Lamar Jackson, over under. One thousand yards rushing this upcoming season. Last year. He had 1,206 yards on 176 carries. Yeah, that's 11, <laughs> that's 11 rushes a game. And he obviously set the record. So over under, we'll give him 1,000. What do you think? They did add a running back, but I think if he's healthy, yeah, he hits 1,000 again. I'm over. I, I'm going to say over. I don't think he's going to – I'm going to go not much over 1,000. I don't think he's going to get the 1,200 or anything. But I think he's got that mindset where he's like, if I get the ball and I see it, I don't care if the coaches tell me, we don't want you running as much, I'm going to run the ball. Yeah, nothing looks shy about him when he decides to run. Like, he's going to do it if he thinks it's right. Yeah. Hot tone? I don't know, man. I'll say under. I'll go different here. I don't know if he can put up the same numbers as last year. That was pretty incredible. Yeah, I was going to say under as well. I just don't. I mean, how many? I think he's the second one to do 1,000. Michael Vick did it once. Right. I mean, not to say little Lamar Jackson can't do it, but I don't know if he's going to run as much. Second one, Alvin Kamara, over under 81 receptions. And why 81, you might ask? That's a great question. He's had exactly 81 receptions each of the past three years. Wow. Every year he's played in the league, 81, 81, 81. So, and you can't push. Oh, uh, I'm going to <laughs> go over. Breeze is another year older. I think there's going to be even more dump-off passes now. <laughs> a little check downs. Good point. Oh, that's a tough one for me. Uh, because he's done it every single time. <laughs> exactly that. I'll say, I'll say over. I think, yeah, more keeps getting funneled to him. I think, I thought he was going to be a stud last year, and I think he had a, a down year, but I think he comes back up this year. I think over. 
I'm going over as well. I'm going over as well. David Montgomery. Under whatever it is. It's under, under whatever it is. So, <laughs> so 900 yards. Over under 900 yards. Last year, he ran for 889 on 242 carries. So he got the ball plenty. He just didn't do anything with it. So is he going to be, essentially the question is, is he going to be more productive or less? 900 yards. Did we I think even that, talk about a Bears player or a, the Bears draft? <laughs> <laughs> I think I almost put Cole Met as like a reacher, a, a screecher. Well, we could have put uh, Nick Foles, yeah, under. We could have put Nick Foles under the tra- the free agents or the yeah. trades. But just glancing at it now, it looks like the Bears added two seventh round offensive linemen. There you but, go. Um, fine now. I don't know if that's what's going to bolster Montgomery. <laughs> I don't just. I don't see that offense being powerful enough to like. I don't think I don't see the passing game being good enough to balance out that run game to where he can just keep putting points on the board. I think under. I was gonna say I think the reason we haven't talked about them is because they're probably gonna be the same team as they were. Yeah, it's just as exciting, just as much of output. So I think he's gonna be probably a little under, not by much, but I I don't think it's gonna be much different than last year. I'm going over just because I think. Just by luck, I think he'll have more yards per carry. I think over as well. I think he's going to be better. He's uh, also yeah. other year in, you know, got the experience under his belt now, so that could help him out. DeAndre Hopkins, Arizona Cardinals. He's come up quite a bit. It's like he's good at this. 100 receptions over under. And just to give you some context, 2017, he had 96. 2018, he had 115. 2019, he had 104. So an average about 105 over the last three years, but new setting. So what do you think? I, I don't know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go under. I don't know why. I just have a feeling that uh, Murray might just spread the ball around a little more. That's uh, the worry. That's the worry. In Arizona, it's just yeah, spread. So that's, 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 yeah, I'm going to go with under. What was the exact over-under? Sorry. 100. 100 receptions? Receptions. I'll take the over on that. DeAndre Hopkins can catch some balls. He real good. I'll go over to Anthony. I'm going under with Scott. I don't think it's a knock on him. I just think it's just the system, and they're going to spread that offense around. It's a good thing for the team, to be honest. Anthony and Scott hate DeAndre Hopkins so much. Hate him. So, (laughs) Cooper Cup, he had 94 receptions last year. Over under 94 receptions this year. Brandon Cooks is gone. Tyler Higby may emerge more so than he did towards the end of the year. No talk early. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna go under just because I don't have faith in the Rams. It seems like they just took a big step back overall, and I just don't see them, you know, regaining that. It's low hanging fruit to bash the Rams in this podcast, <laughs> but that's fine, Matt. I mean, you know, I'll go under too. I, same same sentiment as Scott. They took a step backwards last year, and it just doesn't seem they, they've done anything to correct that. I'm under. They said it. Uh, last two, and these are not over-unders. These are better fantasy season, and we'll say half-point PPR. Um, not that you guys have the stats sitting right in front of you where you can say, well, but gut feeling. And you can just give me the name. You don't even have to explain it to me. Give me the name. Better fantasy season, Austin Hooper or Rob Gronkowski? Rob Gronkowski. Yeah, I'm going to go he's gonna He's going to be the guy there no matter what, yeah. as long as he's healthy. Brady's going to... I'm going Hooper, not as a Browns fan, not as a Browns fan, but as a as a guy that thinks Njoku is going to get hurt. So I'm going Hooper. There, wow, interesting take. We're betting on the injury. That's all good though. Uh, I'm going to go I, uh, Austin Hooper, just because I don't. 
If they if they both played sixteen games, then it would be Gronkowski. But they drained blood out of his leg last week. Think, so. think about two years ago. <laughs> if anybody ever put Gronk and Hooper in like a who's going to do better scenario, it would just be blasphemy. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't even answer your question. It's got to be Gronk. And the last one is also tight ends. Who you got, Zach Ertz or Mark Andrews? They're going third and fourth in a lot of people's drafts coming up here. For most people, it's Kelsey and Kittle and then these two guys. So who would you rather take right now? Uh, having Mark Andrews last year, the I don't have the number in front of me, but it seemed like the amount of red zone targets he got was incredible. So just touchdown potential alone, I think I would take Mark Andrews. I know Ertz had... An incredible year. Was that two years ago? He's had a good career, yeah. I mean, I know he had a good la- year last year, but I think two years ago was his, you know, put up crazy fantasy yeah. numbers. So I, I think Mark Andrews is going to be even more of a guy that he looks for on, you know, like I was saying earlier, those third down conversion plays where they need the first down and dump offs and that thing. So I'm, I'm a Mark Andrews fan for sure. I'm going to go Mark Andrews as well because he's still going to be their red zone threat in Baltimore. They added... Uh, what's it, the Delvin Duvray, but he's a slot, speedy guy. He's not going to be that red zone threat. So, yeah, Mark Andrews. I'm going Andrews as well. Same reasoning. More touchdowns, maybe less yards. I bet Earth finishes with more yards than Andrews, but I think fantasy point-wise in most leagues, Andrews has the lead. I'll go Zach Ertz. You guys all <laughs> went the other way. I'm going to go this way. Now, Ertz has proven it for longer, and I think there's going to be more passing volume. And he is still the best red zone threat I think that they have. But either way, that was good. Those were good ones. Good explanations on the fly. Cause you didn't even know that was happening. But yeah, well, thanks hey, for the heads up, Danny. We like well, football. <laughs> we like football. Well, thanks, guys, for sticking with us. That's all we got on episode one. The pilot is complete, and you made it all the way to the end. So thanks for listening. Woo. Uh, moving forward, we're going to try to do one of these a week in June and then July and forward, we're going to do gonna do two a week. So stick with us. I think next on the dock is divisional breakdown, starting with the AFC South. So we'll see you soon. Thanks so much for sticking with us. See you, Jims. See you, Jims.